G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Realfaith.org.au With my sisters and brothers, sometimes we couldn't see one another because we were in the same home but in a different area. And um, we moved to Rockhampton, we couldn't see each other there. And when we came to Warabinda, that's where we were put together but in separate dormitories. Welcome to Real Faith. Conversations about the impact faith has on our lives and the challenges we go through. Helping us today and giving us hope for tomorrow. That's real people, real life and real faith with Eric Scadabo. Carol Major has a deep understanding of the trauma that was caused by Indigenous children being forced from their homes and then relocated because she was one of them. Carol was eight years old when she was taken from her mother and father and relocated to Warabinda in Queensland. This and other experiences bred in her a hatred of white people. But God eventually got a hold of her heart, and now she is spreading the love of God in Warabinda. Today, Carol will share her amazing story of transformation. Carol Major, welcome to the program. Thank you, Eric. And you're joining us today from Warabinda? From Warabinda. That's right. Well, we want to hear your amazing story. We have to go all the way back to your childhood. Before you were separated from your parents, where were you born and raised, and what was it like? Yes, I was born and raised in Union, that's um, far west of uh, Rockhampton, Mm -hmm. so that is between Manizer and Townsville. Mm Mm-hmm. And there I stayed there with my um, 12 siblings that um, we were there. Finding it hard, um, I had a, um, a father that was um, alcoholic mm-hmm. and my mother was a woman that had no way of um, caring for us. Mm-hmm. But um, eventually a letter was um, sent to my parents that they have going to come to remove her 12 children. And that was because there just wasn't any way for your mother to support all 13 children? Yeah, no, it, it, she, she couldn't do it because of my, my father, that he wasn't uh, supportive um, at that time for my mum. Mm-hmm. My mum was struggling. And at that time, in those times, um, we had no, there was a no support in general um, from any organisation. So it, she had to, on her own, try and get support for herself. Okay, and then you were separated from your parents? Yes, we were separated. I, I left my mum when I was um, seven-year-old with my other sibling. We were taken to uh, an orphanage in Townsville called Karama, and there we stayed there for um, possibly a year, and then we were moved um, down to another orphanage in Rockhampton called the Beryllie Home. Can you go back to that day when you were separated? I mean, as a young child, what was going through your mind at that time? Well, as we we didn't know what was going on, we know whether we was going to see our mum and dads again, where, where we've gone. My elder siblings was there to console us and tell us we'd be right long as we're together. Nothing's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and 
as we was coming into, we stayed in Rockhampton there and for possibly a year until the dormitory out in Warabinda um, was ready to take children, orphanage in from different communities. So the different communities would be from Palm Island, Sherbrooke and um, some other surroundings, yeah. But I came there in, came to Warabinda in 23rd of May 1968. I came there when I was 80 years old. Mm-hmm. And to find um, we've been, we missed our parents from that time and my eldest brother and my sister, they were a parent to us to mm-hmm. keep us going. And, yeah, so, you know, we had we had a mother and figure in our, mm-hmm. in our lives and that was our, our eldest sibling. And were you able to see your parents at all after that? Well, yes, um, eventually we, we had to come back. But at that time in Warabinda, um, under the Act, they um, had to get uh, tickets, or sort of like a little ticket to, to come and say, oh, where they were only allowed to stay two or three days. But in that two or three days, um, we didn't even get the chance to see our parents. Um, they were on the brand of waving to us, but we couldn't love them, hold them. They couldn't kiss us, embrace us. And that's oh. the, the so, so hurtful part of, of that, just waving to our parents. Yeah, so you weren't even able to touch them. Is that what you're saying? No, we, we weren't allowed to, to go near them, yeah. Do you know why that was? Um, I, I guess because of the uh, the superintendent at that time in Warabinda that made the policy and, and the procedure that they had back under the Department of Aboriginal Island Affairs at that time. But, you know, we, we persevered, I guess, with that. But coming out from school, crying to our... Our eldest siblings, where they were going to another high school called Baralaba, and we were going to the Warabinda State School. But you, know, we we come home and then just cry and cry, and just waiting for our our eldest um, sibling to come home. Mm. Now you weren't alone. There were other Indigenous children that were relocated there as well. Yes, yes, there were other um, Indigenous children relocated from Sherbrooke, Palm Island, um, Drumagee. Yeah, all, all, all surroundings that I, I can um, remember. And some of the kids that were in Warabinda were related, uh, relocated into the dormitory. So all up there would have been around about probably between 50 and 60 of us children there. So they had a dormitory for the boys and they had a dormitory for the girls. So that was, um, you know, so sad yeah. to, at that time. But I gradually, um, you know, made friends there with the other children but I also that um, was yearning to, to, to see my mum and dad. Yeah. So was the purpose of relocating you, was it for your good to give you a support, a home, or what, what, what was the purpose? No, the purpose that, uh, like, uh, looking back when I finished school, um, the purpose that I find that uh, if my dad was, was a pure alcoholic and my mum couldn't have a sustainable, suitable home, you know, that, that we can have three meals a day, you know. Um, yeah. That's what my mum struggled with. Mm. But the purpose that, you know, that, that the um, the government, the child services at that time they were called, but now they are child safety now. Mm-hmm. So they came and, and um, the department um, made that um, removable form, yeah, to take us, yeah. And that caused generational trauma is that and right that's for generational trauma 
I'm speaking on on what that generational trauma did to me, you know, and and um, to the others, um, elders that are out there, everyone that is listening to me, um, they have their their own generational trauma how it affected them. But um, with me, the generational trauma that with me, like being away from my mum, with my sisters and brothers that um, sometimes we couldn't see one another because we were put in. We were in the same home, but in a different area, different area. Yeah. And um, we couldn't see one another for probably a couple of weeks in Townsville. Then we moved to Rockhampton. We couldn't see any, any each other there. And when we came to Rockhampton, uh, to Warabinda, that's where we were put together, but in separate dormitory. Um, yeah. yeah. So the policy of relocating Indigenous children sounds like it was well-intentioned, but yet cause trauma. Yeah, well, today, um, for example, today, like with the the child safety um, here now, where, you know, the removal of children, you know, you've got to have a very good, legit reason now to remove any children, you know, from their community or from their family. At that time, back in my era, you know, were being taken, and that's it. Full stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But now today, you know, um, we've got advocacy people that can um, can help through stopping the children from um, being removed. So we have our indigenous people that works in child safety. You know, is that is that advocacy and that and that connect and that connecting person that will have that connectedness between the the department and to the families. Yeah. And to an organization that will support indigenous families. Yeah. So one of the outcomes of that, besides being traumatized, being taken away from your parents, and yes. in particular being taken away from your loving mother, one yes. of the outcomes of that was a bitterness toward white people. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Um, when um, I left Warbina because my, my schooling was really, really high. So they sent me out from the state school at Warabinda mm-hmm. in, into a boarding school in um, Rockhampton, which is, uh, formerly was um, the Sisters of Mercy. And um, there I stayed there, completed um, my year 12. But mm-hmm. in that time, before I resumed my, my schooling, um, there was a lot of um, racism, prejudice, um, but also there, there was um, support um, Limited re- support from from the Sisters of Mercy, but that gradually um, came um, a, a later in a later day, day in a later year where they starting to to recognise um, Indigenous children there in the boarding sector. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so despite a traumatised childhood, you did well in school. I did. I excelled well at school, mm-hmm. but even when I was in boarding school. Um, I just picked up um, a book, and it wasn't the Bible, mm-hmm. but it was a book that I took a liking to. And I didn't know what it was about, but when I read it, it, it was how my um, people were massacred in, in a place called Tarum, um, where most of our TOs, TO is, um, is the traditional owners, what they call now TOs, mm-hmm. and that was back back in, in the um, 60s, in the 50s, yeah. So that book really um, turned my heart really hatred against 
white Australians because of what they've done to my people. Oh, so yeah. here you already had a hatred toward yes. white people because of what happened to you being separated from your parents. Then yes. you stumble on this book, which talks about the history of First Nations people in Australia and the mistreatment that Indigenous people have had over the years. So yes. so now you get even more hatred in your heart. Is that right? Yes, that's right, yeah. And the hatred just kept going on each day, each year when I was in boarding school. Mm. Um, I couldn't mix with any of the white uh, girls, you know, that were in my grade, that was in my, my boarding section. Um, but, you know, gradually, gradually, you know, some of the, the, the white Australians, the white girls used to you know, come and, and make friends with me. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that's something that, that um, I, had to, I had to carry and had to live with. Mm-hmm. But I was just going through so that the you know, generational trauma of, okay, left my mum and now I'm going into school and meeting more white people that, you know, couldn't help or console me or support me. Mm. Um, I did it by myself. Our guest today is Carol Major, who's giving us an Indigenous Australian's perspective on what it was like being separated from her parents when she was seven years old and then being relocated to Warabinda in Queensland. We'll hear more of Carol's story when we return. The Word for Today is Australia's most widely read daily devotional, designed to give you practical teaching to keep you focused on your relationship with Jesus. Read it online or subscribe to the free printed edition at thewordfortoday.com.au. You're listening to Real Faith, conversations with real people about how God works in their lives. If you want to know more about integrating faith into your life, our website is realfaith.org.au. That's realfaith.org.au. Just go to the website and you'll find helpful articles about the impact faith can have on your life. And you can listen to past programs about the impact faith has had on others. Once again, that's realfaith.org.au. Welcome back. I'm Eric Scadabo, and today I'm chatting with Carol Major, who's giving us an Indigenous Australian's perspective on what it was like being separated from her parents when she was seven years old, and how this and other experiences led her to a hatred of white people. But, as we'll hear, God eventually gets a hold of her heart. Now, here's more of my conversation with Carol Major. When I finished school, and that was in um, 1977, Mm-hmm. I didn't come back to Warabinda because I was at that age where we can um, come out of the, the state ward. So when we, when you turn 18, you can leave and, mm-hmm. and, and you're on your own. And that's what happened to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I went down to Brisbane and one of my um, other elder siblings was down there at that time. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff that, that her and I shared and, and talked about. Yeah. And you were able to become a nurse? I be able. I was working in a maternal and child health field in in Clayfield in Brisbane. Mm-hmm. So I've got my um, uh, a nursing, uh, I guess, a certificate to help Indigenous children. Mm-hmm. And after that, I uh, as soon as I finished that, I went back to Uniden to go and find my parents. And luckily, you know, luckily that they were still alive for me to to say, you know, I I don't blame them mm-hmm. for what they done to me because if if they didn't do that to me, if I wasn't removed from their care, I wouldn't be the, the person that I am today. Mm-hmm. 
relationship. So it had to be kind of hard to know that if you stayed with them, you would have been poor and probably not get the education that you got. Correct. But yet, but yet you're away from mom and dad. Yes, and that's something that you know I can't take back. Mm -hmm. But it's something that we can learn. I can learn Mm -hmm. to teach my children, my grandchildren, the the history of you know being with your parents, um, loving them, and giving them all the support. Because today we've got the support of different uh, families, and I guess with um, the churches. Mm-hmm. Um, so was your mother able to share with you how she felt about having her children taken away? My mum couldn't couldn't understand. My mum couldn't, um, she couldn't read or couldn't write. But my dad, he, he, he can read and write. But he couldn't, his brain wasn't focused on the children. He was just... Um, just drinking his life away, mm, yeah. and and because of we we um, were taken from him, he he's just got you know the worst. He just got worse. Mm. Um, thinking about his twelve children that were um, gone and will never be seen again. And then you stayed in the town where your parents were. I did stay there. Um, I went back there, and when I finished school, finished work, I went back in nineteen seventy nine and had my first child there. Mm-hmm. Um, my son, mm-hmm. um, Stephen, now, but um, he's now, um, he's deceased. I lost him in 2013. Mm. So um, I stayed there with my parents and um, met my husband in Union. And, and then ironically, you moved back to Warabinda, but this time you went voluntarily instead of being forced to be there. That's right. Uh, we went back, to, um, my husband found job working on the uh, cattle station here mm-hmm. for the Warabinda pastoral, and I was just um, a housewife just staying home and looking after my um, four children now. But they all old now. They've got children of their own. Mm-hmm. And, you know, luckily for me that, you know, I just went back and seen my mum and dad just to not blame them for what had happened to us. Mm-hmm. And then what kind of work did you do in Warabinda? Well, when I, I was working in Warabinda, um, I wasn't a Christian at that time, mm-hmm. but I was working as a community liaison officer in education, um, I was um, doing a lot of um, external studies around um, building my life up around um, certificates. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to uh, bridging courses down in um, Southern Queensland University down in Toowoomba, mm-hmm. and there I studied, um, do bridging courses around a law degree. Um, wow. Doing vet, uh, doing a vet course because my children are. They are animal lovers. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. Um, and also, I'm doing a Bachelor of Commerce at this stage. To one, one, I want to become a uh, internal auditor to help my family. Uh, not my family, I guess, but my my people to you know do audit audit records you know, in the council. Yeah. Yeah. So you're excelling academically at this point, and helping the community. But what's going on inside of your heart at that time? Was this uh, your hatred for white people at its peak at that point? Yeah, the the hatred was still there, but Mm -hmm. uh, it it didn't hurt so much because I was with my own people in Warabinda. Mm -hmm. But, you know, as I was sharing uh, with my people in Warabinda um, and and still seeing Warabinda that we were still under the Act, the Act didn't go away until in the early 80s. Mm-hmm. So when I say the Act, we were still under the, the government protection, under the Act, yeah. And that Act yeah. allowed the government to take Indigenous children from their parents? 
Now, the, the, the act that was, was still there was um, to allow parents to come in to see their children, even if they were from Sherberg or Palm Island. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then what finally happened to change your heart? Yeah, what finally happened then, um, I started work and then I moved out of there, mm-hmm. moved out from uh, Queensland Health, State Education, and then I... Uh, I I moved in, into another area with um, Central Queensland Indigenous Development. Now, that, that, that's an Indigenous organisation that runs a holistic program. And there I, I was employed there for 10 years. But in that time, 29, I met a pastor. He was a pastor named Pastor Shay Taylor. Mm-hmm. And gradually I started talking to him. We, 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 we used to see one another long from long distance. But we knew there was a uh, connection there, but we didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. So one day he came up and said to me, do you know Annie Rose and Uncle Bill Thoddy? I said, yeah, I know him very well. He said, well, I'm going out there to um, do some baptism of their grannies. I said, oh, okay. I said, while you're out there, you might as well do my children, you know? But um, did, did you have any belief in God and Jesus at that not point? Not at the stage, not at the stage. But you wanted to have your children baptized anyway? Yes, I wanted to have it Wanted to have it because I thought, oh, well, if he's doing baptism for other people, I might as well get mine done. So, <laughs> um, so at that time, God didn't come in my life then. Mm-hmm. But as we gradually um, passed the Shay and his wife, Leonie Taylor, mm-hmm. they used to come out to Warabinda, and I used to be there waiting and ready, and we would usually have um, service down the creek at the back of my yard or under a, a big shed. And still then, I wasn't convinced. I, I thought I was just helping past the shade. But little did I know that um, God was working from the inside of me. Well, that was part one of my conversation with Carol Major, who's sharing her life journey and giving us insights from an Indigenous Australian's perspective. We invite you to join us again next time to hear more of Carol's story and how the Lord completely changes her life around to the point where she no longer has hatred in her heart, but is filled with the love of God that she is freely sharing with others in Warabinda. I think a good verse that really sums up what has happened in Carol's life is Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, where God says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And that's exactly what happened in Carol's life. As we'll hear next time, God broke through her heart of stone and has given her a soft heart of flesh that is filled with love for others. We'll hear how that all comes about next time as Carol shares more of her story. Until then, I'm Eric Scadabo. So long and God bless. You've been listening to Real Faith. And if you have any questions or comments, you can send us a message through our website, realfaith.org.au. That's realfaith.org.au. Thanks for listening, and we invite you to join us again next time for more conversations about God working in the lives of people who put their faith and trust in Him. That's real people, real life, and real faith. Real Faith is a production of Vision Christian Media. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.